We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast, our week five podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com, here again with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. How you doing today? It's been a long week, man. It's, uh, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready for Monday. I've been, been, uh, got a Trubisky jersey a few months back. Just been waiting to wear it. And uh, it's been staring at me for probably the last, well, three months and really the last four weeks of the season. So I'm, I'm ready to put it on and hopefully bring some uh, good luck. <laughs> you haven't worn the Trubisky jersey yet? No, man. It's uh, I've, I've had the I had Jordan Howard on for the first two weeks, and they lost both games. And I said, all right, well, I'm not wearing that jersey again, but it's a little superstition. I don't want to wear a jersey from a guy that hasn't played a game yet. So it's been, I don't know, it's almost like a kid thing. You know, you just kind of got to wait until the, the player actually plays. And there's some, I guess it adds to the anticipation. I know it sounds kind of weird, but oh, it's kind of it. a thing I've done. I get it. What if... What if uh, I'll I'll bring up an old story in a second, but what if Trubisky's no good? What do you do with that jersey? Well, let's just put it this way: if Trubisky has one bad game, like I probably even a bad half. If he has a bad half, then the jersey's coming off, and I'm going to try to save his career <laughs> myself. Uh, that reminds me of uh, a real quick story. I had last game at Soldier Field, that playoff game, and I lost to the Eagles. I had the fortune uh, to attend that game, and I I, I was went to the uh, place to buy jerseys, and I decided I, I don't want an Erlacher jersey because everybody's got an Erlacher jersey. I'm going to get an A-Train jersey. And uh, about three years later, I, t- I tore off the Thomas off the top of the back of the jersey and told everybody it was a Neil Anderson <laughs> Neil Anderson jersey. So I, it, that was the last time I ever bought a, a jersey of an actual player who, who, who plays now. Um, I think if I were to ever buy a jersey again, it would be of a you know, historical player that I really appreciate. But that's some hardcore fan stuff. I, I got to appreciate it. How long have you had that Trubisky jersey? Uh, it's been about three months. You know, I, I don't know, because even going back 
well, I'm sure everybody remembers this, including myself, back when Tressman's first year when they were speaking of the Eagles when they were uh, what one game away from clinching the division, and my and I was idiot self by the Eagles, right? Yeah, yeah. So my idiot self runs to the store 20 minutes before the game starts, and I bought a bottle of champagne, and I'm ready to I'm ready to party, dude, and I'm I've got this thing ready to go, and I'm just waiting for the game to end, and hopefully they'd win, and they didn't win, and stupidly instead of throwing the bottle of champagne out because it was obviously a bad idea. I kept it thinking, oh, they'll beat the Packers the next week, and they didn't. So that was uh, – I, I think I ended up drinking it anyway because it was just a depressing time. But, yeah, I'm say, very superstitious when it comes to that. Yeah, you probably needed that uh, bottle of champagne after the way that that game ended. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to uh, talk about – we're going to look forward, not not dwell on the horrible past. And the, the, the future is here in Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we talked a lot about him last week being named the starter his first start comes this week on Monday Night Football against the Minnesota Vikings. A very exciting time for uh, the Bears fans. I know a lot of uh, Bear Report subscribers trying to feel like the first month of the season was was the preseason, and now that the now it's the regular season has finally gotten here. So, real exciting time. But I thought that offensive coordinator Dow Loggins had a lot of interesting things to say when we had an opportunity to speak with him this week. Um, let, let's start with uh, you know what he feels Trubisky brings to the offense and, and potentially you know what other people have to do as well. Obviously, you guys are very aware that uh, we made a change of quarterback. Um, that was obviously not planned. Uh, the, the one thing I want to make sure that we're clear on is to get good quarterback play, the other 10 guys on the field need to do their jobs. And sometimes when you make quarterback switch, <clears throat> we need to make sure that we don't – like Mitch Trubisky is a very – good young player, but he is not a magic wand. Um, we need to play better around him. That starts with me, goes to every position group. we got to eliminate drops. Um, <clears throat> obviously, we need to eliminate the negative runs and negative plays. It's really hard to play quarterback when it's second 15, and it's a known passing situation. Mike Lennon did uh, some good things that why he got to play, and he's been a professional the, since the decision's been made. He's helped Mitch. He's, do, uh, he's really dove into this plan. And, um, <clears throat> you know, so we'll go forward. We're excited about the opportunity to get Mitch on the field. And um, he's worked really hard, and he's as close to ready as any rookie I've ever been around. So we're excited to see him play. So there you have it from Loggins. And I think he brings up a, a lot of really good points. Um, you know, obviously with Lennon, he lost his top two receivers basically before the season even started. Uh, was kind of a, you know, wasn't the best match for the for the style of offense that the Bears run and didn't get a whole lot of help. I mean, right now the Bears lead the league in dropped passes. They have the third most holding penalties in the NFL. He was sacked eight times. Um, they also lead the league in turnovers. And I know a lot of that is on him. Uh, but, you know, again, this is an entire offense thing that I think, yeah, the run game has looked good at times. The run game has also stunk at times. So Loggins is correct. I think that you know, he's. This isn't uh, the the magic potion to make this offense all of a sudden become a top ten offense. I think uh, across the board, everybody needs to play better. I think he did bring up one good point, though. This is the first time that in uh, the entire season that the Bears have had the same starting offensive line out there, and that's going to be all five of their starters. So that is a positive. But yeah, I, I really think that this is you know, this isn't just. We're making a huge deal out of Trubisky, but this offense isn't going to just become an amazing offense unless everyone takes a part in that. You agree? Yeah, I do. Um, and I, and I, but I think there's going to be a few things that are going to make this maybe have the appearance of a magic wand. Uh, 
you know, I, and I definitely agree. You know, there's definitely some things that they got to sort out. I think uh, there's there's been some confusion at the line of scrimmage. I think one of the good points that you bring up is the fact, dude, the run game has been so inconsistent. It shouldn't be that way. And I think it's a combination of not having, you know, their starting five offensive linemen until last week uh, play together for the first time all year. And I think the other thing is how bad Glennon was. But I, I, I do think there's going to be certain situations. I think the offensive line by default is going to look better because Trubisky's going to be able to move the pocket. He's not going to say he has better spatial awareness. I mean, we've talked about all this. So I think that's definitely going to help. Uh, but I think the holding penalties are going to be – that's going to be something that they're going to have to break. Uh, but I, I do think just by default and the fact that they're going to a quarterback that, like you just said just now – I think Trubisky fits the offense better. Tony Romo brought it up on uh, Thursday night when they played the Packers and said, you know, this this offense is more designed as a West Coast offense for a guy that can roll out and be more mobile at quarterback, which fits uh, Trubisky a lot better than it would Mike Glennon. So, I man, I, just, I don't think they're going to be a top 10 offense because, honestly, I don't think they have the weapons. I mean, it's going to be really hard to see – you know, Deontay Thompson and these guys out here and them have that kind of production. But I do think that the offense is going to be more smooth. I think we're going to see kind of more of what we saw last year, even from like, you know, when Brian Hoyer was in the game where at least they were moving the ball down the field and somewhat controlling the time of possession and stuff like that. The biggest thing is obviously they've got to get into the end zone. But I I think we're going to see the the appearance of Trubisky and all the things that go with it. I don't know if it's going to be a magic wand per se, but I do think uh, the appearance and the overall performance of what we're going to see versus what we saw from Glennon will be vastly different, even if it's not you know this week. I think as things progress, we're going to see a lot more competent of an offense, and it's actually going to look like an NFL-caliber type offense. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about how uh, the offense looked between the 20s with uh, Brian Hoyer under center last year, and even Matt Bartley for a while was able to move the ball pretty well under Dow Loggins. So he, you know, he's shown that you know with uh, a, a relatively competent quarterback, uh, that they can move the ball, you know. That the problem is the the lack of talent at wide receiver. That's something that they're going to have to overcome. But um, I, I think you're right about what Trubisky brings to the table. And I think the uh, one thing to point out is yes, uh, Lennon was sacked eight times. That's way too many times in a, in a four game period. But correct me if I'm wrong. Only three of those were attributed to the offensive line. Yeah, I actually just found the tweet. It was from uh, Windy City Gridiron, who also does very good work covering the Bears. And they said, yeah, that the, the, there was some stat that basically credited just three of those eight sacks to the offensive line, which I agree with. Right, and I think that, that leads us to our next point about uh, you know something else that Loggins talked about and how the offense changes, how the offensive play calling can change, what the playbook will look like now that Trubisky is under center. Let's take a listen. His skill set is different than uh, Mike's. Like He is a more mobile guy. He moves well. Uh, where Mike was your prototypical drop-back passer, uh, Mitch does do things differently, and we'll obviously try to put him in those in some of those situations that he feels more comfortable with. The, <clears throat> the threat of the other things, the zone reads and the nakeds and the boots and the sprint outs and all those other things definitely – can can help and affect the run game in a different way. He's going to bring out um, different uh, different traits in certain people. The ability to extend plays and do those things. Like there will be some people that it, this affects in a positive way. So yeah, we discussed uh, something similar last week in the fact that the Bears really or Loggins really wasn't able to call a whole lot of rollouts, bootlegs, uh, plays on the move with Mike Glennon under center. And I think you're going to see a whole ton of that. You got to you got to remember back in training camp. 
uh, there were days where all they ran were, were rollouts and bootlegs. So this is a big part of Dow Loggins' offense, and it was trying to cut out without Mike Glennon out there. Uh, it did sound like he was a little hesitant to, uh, you know, throw a little or everything at, at uh, Mitch Trubisky this week. He did say that he's going to kind of work more and more into the offense. But I think we are going to see not only more rollouts and bootlegs, but we're going to see him extend plays with his legs. And and like he talked about, you know, uh, receivers love it when that get when that happens. You get that that jailbreak scenario that gives them a few extra seconds to get open. And this is a receiving group that needs those extra seconds. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of taboo. You know, we're talking about the Bears, and I'm going to bring in the Packers here. But I, I think what Logan said when he when he's, when he's talking about it, I'm sitting and the only thing I'm thinking is Aaron Rodgers. And you look at what Aaron Rodgers has done, what has really made him great is the fact that he's able to extend plays and his receivers are able to find a way to get open. And even if it's extending plays for an extra, you know, second to maybe even three seconds, uh, I mean, that's huge, and it, and it really demoralizes defenses, and I think that's really something, when I've seen Trubisky's game, and I think we've talked about this quite a bit, and you agree, that that's a, that's a huge value. I mean, this is going to be something that, you know, we, we look at the receivers and what they're able to do right now, and you can talk to certain people, uh, you know, I know Jim Miller has kind of said that he doesn't feel like the, the Bears receivers are running good routes or really getting open. Uh, looking at the all 22, I, I have to disagree, but you know, he was an NFL quarterback and I wasn't, but what I will say, what I've seen is, you know, these, these receivers are kind of getting open and then, you know, the, the, the window in which they're getting open at the NFL level versus the college level, anything like that is completely different. So, but I do think with Trubisky being only to extend plays versus having a statuesque, and that was a quote from uh, Mike Tomlin, uh, the, when they played the Steelers, a statuesque quarterback like Mike Glennon, uh, the ability that they're going to have to be able to extend plays and allow these receivers to either finish their routes, turn their heads around, or you know just continue to work to get open, I think that's going to be a huge value. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I think this offense is going to look so much different, especially from the passing attack. I mean, these quarterbacks, or these quarterbacks, these, this defense, and especially the secondary and uh, in, in the front seven, I mean, they, they aren't going to be able to play eight and nine guys in the box. I mean, it's just simply not going to work. And if they do, then Trubisky's going to torch him, and he's going to have some very impressive numbers. So I think it's going to keep the defense more honest as a whole. And in turn, I think it's going to open a lot more in the running game. I just This is just going to be a chain reaction of things. I'm not saying we're going to say it, see it right off the bat, but I do think uh, it, this is just going to be a completely different-looking offense, even if they're – they're keeping Trubisky on a leash for a little bit. I, I still think that this is going to look a lot better than it has under Mike Lennon. Right. And I, you bring up a good point about the, the rushing attack. And uh, One thing, if you go back to the All-22 tape and you look at uh, the overtime series against the Steelers, uh, and that was that was a game that Kyle Long did not play. Um, for some reason, on those last two runs that Jordan Howard I think it was a 19 and 18 yarder that he ended up scoring on that last one. Those two runs right in a row, the Steelers decided to just put seven guys in the box. I'm not sure what the hell they were thinking, but they decided to put seven guys in the box. And you saw the huge holes that Jordan Howard. I don't even think he was touched on the on the on the 19 yard touchdown run. And now with Kyle Long back, with Josh Sitton back, I mean this was a, this was a good run blocking group to start with. You get that eighth man out of the box, and you are consistently running against seven-man boxes. We've seen the type of damage that they can do with an elite running back like Jordan Howard plus one of the best complementary backs in the league and Tariq Cohen. That's a great point to bring up and how just Trubisky's presence, his ability to move, 
you know, teams aren't going to be able to to rush the edge when Tariq Cohen gets a, a stretch play because they are worried about, uh, you know, uh, Trubisky tucking the ball and running the other direction. I just think he brings a lot of different elements. Whether or not that's going to translate to points on the scoreboard still remains to be seen. Whether or not that's going to translate to wins may not happen this year, but I do think that, yeah, we are going to see a lot of changes right away, and uh, I think Loggins is ready, is ready to make those types of changes. At least it sounds like he is. Uh, now, you know, he wanted us to temper expectations about uh, Trubisky, but he also had a lot of positive th- things to say about the kid. Let's take a listen. You said he's as ready as a rookie just how fast he's uh, processed things, how fast that his work ethic, the virtual reality, all the things that he's done since he's gotten here, learning the playbook, learning t- the terminology, which is not easy coming from a college offense. And, you know, <clears throat> I think that uh, any time that a quarterback can use his legs, he can buy him some time to do things and extend plays. Even when the reads aren't clear, you get fooled on a coverage. Like, the ability to buy time is something that definitely helps young quarterbacks. So yes, Trubisky isn't the magic wand, but I think you can tell just just in Logan's voice there how excited he is uh, to have a, a quarterback that brings the skill set that Trubisky brings to the table. And you know, I, I want to bring this up, and I, I brought this up at the uh, on the BearReport.com message boards uh, in, in regard to a lot of the things that are being written right now, and a lot of things that are being talked about on social media, and it seems like. Everyone's falling all over themselves to to stream temper your expectations for Mitch Trubisky. And I want to point out the fact that I've covered this team for seven years, and I believe uh, there's about four people in the entire world who have covered this team longer on a full-time basis, written about this team, than me. I have seen bad quarterbacks up close. I've seen very bad. I saw Nathan Enderley. I saw all of these horrible backup quarterbacks that the Bears have brought in. I know what those guys look like. Mitch Trubisky is not one of those guys, guy. I, I, and I can't, I cannot say that enough. If they didn't think he was ready, Mark Sanchez would have been the backup. They knew from the very start what they had. I knew from rookie minicamp what they had. This is a very good. This is the number two overall draft pick in the NFL. He was very worthy of that. You liked him in the draft. You felt he was worth the pitch. I felt he was. I felt he was the top quarterback in the draft as well. And I think for a, an organization that hasn't been to the playoffs and for six years and likely seven, I think for someone to come out and say temper your expectations when the future of the franchise is getting on the field is kind of a slap in the face to me. I don't think you should temper your expectations at all. I think you're an idiot if you think he's not going to mistakes, and if you overreact to mistakes, that's stupid too. We all know he's going to make mistakes. But he, you're going to see a different level of play out there. And, you know, Peyton Manning threw 20 interceptions his first year. I understand that there are going to be some pitfalls, but the kid is special. And I, I'm not saying that because... Uh, you know, he was a first-round pick. I'm saying it because I've seen a lot of quarterbacks, and I know what a bad quarterback looks like, and I know what a good one looks like, and he is a good one. And, I, you know, so don't – if you listen to this podcast, I would disregard what you're hearing from everybody else. And even if he does make mistakes, even if it doesn't translate to wins on, on, the, on the, the scoreboard and, you know, points on the scoreboard – Enjoy it, man, because the kid is the future, and he's and he's going to be here for a long time. He's going to be making a lot of plays, and they're going to win a lot of ball games because of him. So this temper your expectations nonsense, I'm not listening to it. I'm really excited to see what Mitch Trubisky brings to the table. What do you think? 
No, and I agree. And this is coming from somebody who on, what was it, Monday or Tuesday's podcast was saying temper your expectations. But, uh, you know, I, I saw what you posted, and I think, you know, you bring up some very good points. And, you know, you look at even a guy like, I mean, let's just look at this year. A guy like Deshaun Jackson, okay, he comes out and he has a very, very subpar first start. Deshaun uh, Watson. Against, Watson. Deshaun Watson, sorry. Yeah, Deshaun Watson. And very, very subpar start against first start against the the Bengals and then you see him come out the next week and he looks a little bit better and then he saw you know against the New England Patriots are talking about it. I mean he almost won them the game and then you look at uh, you know his last start and you know he he went out and he he was playing lights out almost a perfect half of football and then at the very end of the half he threw an interception against the Titans but they were still up big and I actually had a conversation with the guy and he, you know, and he's a big Deshaun Watson guy, and he's like, man, you know, these are the kind of mistakes that he can't, you know, that can't happen, and you know, but in my whole entire point to him was simple: is you know, the, these guys are rookies; they're going to make mistakes. But the thing is, is you can't let one mistake, and especially in that kind of situation, wipe out a whole entire, you know, half of football or you know, a whole entire, um, you know, season of football. So, but what I thought was interesting. What I thought was interesting is, you know, you talk about how, you know, you've seen these guys, you know, you know, that, you know, when a guy is special, you've seen a lot of crappy play. Now, the point that I'm going to make, and it feeds perfectly into what you're saying, is Dal Loggins has seen some crappy rookies or some guys that have not lived up to expectations. And I mean, let's take a look at this real quick. Now, with the Cleveland Browns, he had Johnny Menzel, a first round pick. With the Tennessee Titans, he had Jake Locker. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that has had two first-round picks uh, with different teams. And he comes out and he says, this guy's special. You know, th- this guy is, you know, this is the most prepared rookie I've ever seen. I mean, stuff like that, it's like he knows what he's talking about. I mean, the dude's been around, uh, you know, the first-round quarterbacks before. And the fact that he's coming out and saying that, and to me, uh, listening to the way that he talked about Trubisky versus Lennon uh, in training camp and preseason in the season, and then you listen to how uh, I mean, and that's the thing. I had a buddy of mine that that hit me up, and he's like, "Man, you know, Dow Loggins really did a terrible job of tempering my expectations for Trubisky and trying to keep me calm." I mean, you listen to Dow Loggins talk. I mean, we've heard some of the audio, uh, and it's very evident that he's excited. It's very evident that this is the guy that he wanted, and I think a lot of guys within the organization did. I don't know who really ended up making the decision, whatever it may be, but uh, there's definitely some excitement here. But I mean, you got Jeremy saying, "I I know what I'm, you know, I know what I'm seeing. I know a bad quarterback when I see a Trubisky special." Then you got Dow Loggins saying the same exact thing, and he's dealt with two first round rookies. I mean, that I mean that's that's pretty exciting, especially as a Bears fan. Yeah, and I, and I'm not saying he's going to be perfect, and I'm not saying it's going to be amazing right away, but uh, I think you're going to see. I mean, even if it's only a couple of plays here on Monday Night Football, you're going to see stuff that you didn't see out of Mike Glennon, and that you would have never seen out of guys like Brian Hoyer or, or you know Bartley or Enderly or any of these other guys that they put out there. Jason Jason Campbell was brought up the other day. Man, those were the days. I, I, those that's not the quarterback we're talking about here. I think even right away, even as a rookie, even without the experience, even without the fact that he never took a snap under center in college, I think his pure skill set and athleticism is going to show up, and that's going to result in in him making a few plays. Is he going to throw picks? Sure. Is he going to fumble the ball? Sure. I mean, are they going to lose games because of his mistakes? Sure. But I think 
he's going to counter that with a lot of very exciting stuff. And you make a really good point there. You can't dwell on the negative, especially when you're talking about a rookie. I mean, Watson, I think that was a game where Watson threw five or had five total touchdowns. So if, if you're going to be that critical of him, then you're not doing it right as far as I'm concerned. You, you have to understand that there's a growing process here, but you have to enjoy that process as well. And I, So don't temper your expectations. Enjoy this because this is the future of the franchise. He's going to be here a long time. And, and you know even if he's mis- making mistakes now, make the, make the most of it as, because it's probably going to get it's a lot better as it, as it continues to go along. So I'm really looking forward to see what... He does. The problem is he faces a pretty darn good defense on Monday night with the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And uh, you want to get right to the preview? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Minnesota Vikings come to town. And uh, right now they are at 2-2, two and two, third place in the NFC North, right above the Bears at 1-3. and three. This will be the 113th meeting between the Bears and it appears that the Vikings lead the series 58-52 and 2 but things have been uh pretty decent for the Bears so far at Soldier Field right yeah yeah over the last uh well since 2010 they're 6 and 1 against the Vikings at home and since 2000 they're 15 and 3 against the Vikings at home so i mean overall they've they've played very well against the Vikings i mean you talk about a three win team last year with the Bears they came out and spanked the Vikings on Monday night football last year at home so uh, this is a team that's always played well against them. Uh, with that being said, I mean, they're, they're still a good team. I, I think 2-2 two and two is a little misleading just because of the quarterback situation, some of the injuries that they've had. But, uh, you know, this is I think this is going to be a good game. Usually the Bears and the Vikings, when they play outside of that, that you know, that late game last year that they played or the game late in the season that they played last year, I mean, they've... They've uh, they've played pretty close games, and you know you you see kind of a lopsided. I think the reason that you're seeing a few more wins for the Vikings, especially in the in the 90s and you know maybe early 2000s, uh, would be the fact that they had Chris Carter and Randy Moss, and they had some very dominant teams uh, when the Bears weren't very good. So I, but I do think you know when you when you look at just the overall scope of what's gone on, especially even if you want to go since 2010, uh, the Bears have done pretty well against the Vikings, especially at home, and this is a game that is going to be very exciting. It's going to be very interesting, though, because and they, they haven't announced it yet, but the Cubs are supposed to play Monday, and uh, they don't know when they're going to play. I don't know if they've announced the times yet. Last time I checked, they hadn't, but the Cubs will be at home. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with that, but there's going to be a buzz around town all day, and I, I think, you know, even if you are a Cubs and a Bears fan, I mean, I'm not, and I don't think, you know, Jeremy's not either. We're both White Sox fans, but this is going to be an exciting Monday uh, for sports fans in general. I think the Blackhawks even play yeah. that day. But, you know, Mitch <laughs> well, Trubisky is going to dominate that for me. That's that's for sure. All that tells me is that if you are trying to get, get to the Bears game on Monday night, leave about six hours early because that means the traffic going into the city is going to be ridiculous. But, yeah, really fun night, uh, Monday night, uh, uh, for, you know, all those different sports for all those reasons you talked about you know the, the defending uh world champion chicago cubs that's all great that's that's fun exciting stuff just means i'm gonna be out of the house by noon for a 7 30 game uh for that game though let's talk about what trubisky has to deal with here uh, uh defensive side of the football for uh the minnesota vikings right now in total yards they're 12th uh, points per game they're tied for eighth they're the third ranked rushing defense uh, 24th ranked passing defense. So, what makes them so good against the run? Well, Linval Joseph is a beast on the inside, and uh, you know they they have Anthony Barr, who's would you say the second best linebacker in the NFL? 
Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I wish I could say I keep up more with inside linebackers than I do. I mean, he's definitely good, uh, but, and they got to, they got to stack their front seven as a yeah. whole is very good. Yeah, they got a lot of players up front. Everson Griffin already has five sacks on the season. Uh, that's going to be a big challenge for Bobby Massey and uh, Charles Leno. Uh, you know, this is uh, not an ideal defense for uh, Trubisky to go against. Now, the good thing is, is last year, and I know that there's been a, a few changes, but last year the Bears ran all over the Vikings. So I, I think Dow Loggins, if he can, you know, if those schemes still work, if he can carry over some of that success that he had last year, that should be able to allow them to establish a ground game. Remember, they didn't have Tariq Cohen either. So, he, you know, he brings that extra element that should add, you know, and, and, and help the ground game get going. If they can do that, that would be huge um, because that's going to, you know, that, that's going to give, you know, like we've talked about, that's going to pull that safety out of the box. It's probably going to give, you know, it's not going to allow, uh, you know, guys like Griffiths, Griffin to just pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. They're going to have to worry about setting the edge and, and, and worry about whether or not Tariq Cohen is going to be flying around them and getting hooked right there. So, uh, you know, I think that's big, and that also will s- set up the play-action game. And uh, right now it looks like they, uh, you know, Xavier Rhodes is their guy. He's their number one. Uh, you probably don't want to throw at him too much, but the ageless Terrence Newman is getting the start. 39 years old, getting the start on the other side of the football and is still playing well. In three receiver sets, they slide Newman into the slot and put Trey Waynes outside. Is that a group that if the offensive line is able to give Trubisky time, is that, I mean, if you avoid Rhodes, can you exploit Newman and Waynes and potentially do some damage on the other side? I think so. Uh, biggest thing, you got to avoid Xavier Rhodes, man. He's turned into one of the better corners in the league. Uh, I was a big fan of his coming out of FSU, and, I mean, he's done nothing but impress since, and he's got that big uh, big contract. So, yeah, you look at the – I mean, just the, the Vikings' defense as a whole, they're very good. Uh, I think, you know, the, the waves of pass rushers that they're able to send. I mean, we, you, you talk about Everson Griffin, but Daniil Hunter's been another guy that's been very impressive. Uh, Brian Robison uh, has been around for a while. That's also played pretty well. You look at their – I mean, even their, their linebackers. Eric Hendricks has played very well uh, alongside Anthony Barr. So, I mean, you look at them as a whole, and they got a good defense. But as we've talked about before, um, you know, not too long ago, and – and just as a whole, when you look at these these matchups, especially when you're talking division opponents and, and teams that you know that have played each other so much in such a short amount of time, I think in some ways you can kind of look at some of these matchups and kind of throw them out the window. And I, I think we've seen the same, especially for the Vikings. I mean, like I said, they played a lot of close games the last few years. And, I mean, like you pointed out, uh, Jordan Howard went off last year against them. And I, and I think that's going to be a big key. And I think the biggest key for the Bears' offense is the fact that they actually have a quarterback behind center who can, you know, throw the ball and that teams are going to have to at least account for. I won't say be afraid of. I think that's going to take a little bit. But uh, it's it's definitely going to be a different ball game. But I think the biggest, the biggest question I have right now is who's going to start a quarterback for the Vikings? Uh, you know, and... It, I, I don't know. I, I think there's just a lot of questions uh, overall, but I, I I like the matchup on you know I like the matchup overall, but I'm not as worried about the Bears' offense as I think some people are. Um, but that's uh, that's just my take, and yeah. I've been 100% wrong on a lot of this <laughs> stuff so far. So I'm hoping I'm not wrong here. Well, I, before we move over to the Vikings on offense, I do want to mention that uh, the Vikings do, along with all the, the the talent that they have up front. 
they do have one of the best safeties in the league and Harrison Smith, one of the most uh, opportunistic safeties in the league and a guy who, uh, one of the more intelligent free safeties who, you know, he's the type who, you know, in that chess game that a free safety plays with a quarterback, you know, he, he might be able to win this round against Trubisky. So I think going deep against Smith, uh, Trubisky's going to have to pick his spots and be very smart about it because I think Smith is the type of guy who can make you make you think that he's covering one side of the field and then instantly switch it over the other side and make the play on the other on the other sideline. So uh, you got to watch out when you're going deep against the Vikings because Smith uh, is typically around the football. So yeah, who is going to play quarterback for the Vikings this week? What do you think? Uh, I think it's going to be Sam Bradford. It's weird because I watched a video of him yesterday throwing a ball and it didn't look overly good. But uh watched a video of him today. looked a little bit better. And there's been a lot of reports. Uh, I think I saw something on Roto World earlier saying that the advancements that he's made practicing over the last two weeks has been night and day and that there's an expectation that he's probably going to start. So, I mean, obviously we'll see. But I would be surprised if Sam Bradford's not the quarterback starting. Um, but the biggest question I have, and maybe you can answer this or at least give it a shot, is, I mean, where is the advantage? I mean, is is the advantage for somebody like uh, Sam Bradford for the Bears to start, or is it somebody like Case Keenum? I don't know what would be the better matchup at this point. Yeah, Keenum hasn't been horrible uh, for the Vikings, and he brings uh, an element of mobility that Bradford doesn't really have anymore in his career. Uh, you know, Bradford wasn't horrible for the Vikings last year and you know I think he's a better passer overall than Case Keenum Uh, but they're different types of players and I think the Bears would probably rather see Keenum than Bradford but maybe you know and uh, less than 100% Bradford they might want to see that even better so I don't know I you know both guys have had success with the passing attack so far I mean Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have been basically unstoppable they both have Let's see, that 46 catches between them. Uh, Stephon Diggs almost has 400 passing yards already. Adam Thielen has 358, four touchdowns between them. Uh, those two guys, they have 15 plays combined of 20-plus yards already through four games. I mean, it doesn't. It, apparently it doesn't matter who's throwing the football. Those two guys have been unstoppable. It, with, Coop, with the Bears rotation that they have right now, Fuller, Cooper, Mukamara, can they handle Diggs and Thielen? It's going to be interesting, man. They got they got a very good receiver core, and, and it's funny because a few years ago we weren't saying that. You know, they were they were really struggling. I think they had what Jerome Simpson as their number one receiver, and he was kind of known for the the front flipping in the end zone kind of thing. But man, I think these guys at least going into last week. I, I haven't looked at the numbers coming into this week, but coming into last week, they were number two and number three. Uh, and receiving yards in the NFL. I mean, they've been very good. Uh, Stephon Diggs is one of those guys. I hate to be that guy, but uh, he was drafted the same year as Kevin White, except a lot later, and he's been very successful. So, uh, And then Adam Thielen was an undrafted free agent, really didn't get a shot for a little bit. He's been very impressive, just got a, just got a contract extension not too long ago as well. And I think Kyle Rudolph is another guy uh, that – his you know he definitely plays a role and they've they've got some decent slot guys uh so i mean they have they have a good offense but the one thing about this offense that's going to be lacking this week is dalvin cook uh went out with an acl tear uh, i saw that happen in real real time i mean that's that's definitely a big bummer because at least in my mind when i you know watching all the draft prospects and stuff i had him as a first round talent and i thought the the vikings had a uh got a very good deal on him i guess you could say you know they they were able to get him in the second round and 
I think that's a big loss for their offense. I mean, they got running back depth with Jarek McKinnon and uh, Latavius Murray, but replacing a guy that's been as explosive as Dalvin Cook, uh, I mean, that's that's going to be a big task. And the Bears have Bears have done pretty well against uh, running backs this year. Uh, you know, the run game in general weren't quite as good against the Packers, but. I think that may be the X factor for them on defense is to make them one-dimensional. Yeah, and I, uh, Dalvin Cook, when he was, uh, before the injury going into last week, was one of the league leaders in rushing yards. He was averaging almost five yards per carry. Um, you know, already had four runs of twenty-plus yards. I mean, he was uh, the focal point of that offense. He was the re- I mean, play action has been so successful for the for the Vikings because of what Cook was able to do, and that's a lot of the reasons why. Uh, you know, Diggs and Thielen have been able to get so much room downfield just because teams are so worried about what Dalvin Cook brings to the table. That concern is now gone. I don't think Latavius Murray stares anybody at this point. I'm actually a little more concerned about Jarek McKinnon than I would be about Latavius Murray. But you're not going to replace, even with both of those guys stacked together, you're not really going to replace the all-around uh, type of player that Cook was. And, you know, Cook was the type of player to take over a game. He'll, he'll wear you down and, and finish you off in the fourth quarter. And that's a huge, huge weapon to just, you know, they, they the offense basically got their knees taken out from them. So you not only wonder how that's going to impact the rushing attack, but how is that going to impact the, the, their passing attack as well? If, if they become one-dimensional every week, you know, can you really expect Diggs and Thielen to be as wide open as they've been? As they've been, and can, are they going to continue to have that level of success? I, I, I don't think you're going to be able to do that. I really think the Bears have the eighth-ranked rushing defense and have at times looked dominant against the run. Um, had some, had, like you said, had a couple of stru- rough stretches against the Packers, but uh, I don't see Murray or McKinnon or having a whole lot of success on Sunday. I think the Bears can handle them pretty well up front. I think a lot of it's going to be on those cornerbacks, like I talked about, you know, Mukamara, Fuller, and and Cooper, however that rotation works out, uh, uh, matching up on Diggs and Thielen and making sure those guys don't beat you. I think if you can limit the big plays downfield, I'm not scared of the of the rushing attack. So I think that's a recipe right there to, to you know keep Minnesota's offense off the field as much as possible. And I think if the Bears are able to run the football and, and, and accomplish that on defense, that, that's a perfect scenario for Mitch Trubisky to win his first game. I agree. Uh, I, I think my biggest question mark or concern for the Bears' defense right now is what are they going to do at linebacker? I mean, you know, we talked about the the injury to Kwiatkowski, uh, and you know, we can get the injury report a little bit later. Uh, but he, I mean, he's still not practicing. And then you got Danny Trevathan, who's on that one game suspension right now, and so you've got basically three guys that are probably going to be rotating uh, at inside linebacker between uh, Christian Jones, Jonathan Anderson, and John Timu. And I mean, it's I wouldn't say that that's awful, but it's definitely not good. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that translates. I, I can almost see the Vikings attacking the middle of the field, which is going to put a lot of stress, I would say, on the Bears, probably the, the Bears uh, safeties at this point. I think Eddie Jackson's played well, but, I mean, Adrian Amos is only going into a second start this year. Uh, they're missing Quentin Demp. So I think that's going to be a big thing. I mean, even making them one-dimensional is going to be a little interesting because because of that. I mean, because of the linebackers. I mean, that's something that the Bears really haven't had to worry about, uh, you know, at least looking at it on paper in between Trayton and Freeman and even Kwiatkowski. But, I mean, now they're down to their 
they're down to two guys or what? Yeah, two guys. Yeah, two guys that weren't even on the roster come week one. Um, that they're going to be out there and then are probably going to be seeing a decent amount of playing time. And I think your point about the safeties is even more concerning because you know that the Vikings are going to be testing Amos over the top. Vikings have played against him four times and know his deficiencies in coverage and. You, you know that they're going to be sending Diggs and Thielen deep and, and testing Jackson and, and Amos to make sure that those guys are ready for the deep ball. If Amos is not ready for the deep ball, that's going to result in some big plays for the Vikings, and that might be all they need in, the, in this type of game. I don't see this being as a, a high-scoring game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout in either way. So one big play here or there uh, could be the difference, and Amos has been known to give up that one big play. So that's a big deal. But, yeah, linebacker, also a concern. I actually think Christian Jones has played very well this year. I think he's really taken a step up in his third season, really feeling comfortable uh, out there, and he's he's made a lot of plays. And I think he's he's been good in coverage as well. I think he's probably your primary guy. He's going to be your, the guy who's out there for every snap. And then I think they're probably going to rotate Jonathan Anderson and John Timu, put Timu out there. Uh, in your base sets, in your uh, you know your run downs, and then uh, put Anderson out there uh, in the passing situations. Uh, it's not an ideal scenario. You'd love to have uh, Danny Trevathan and you know, and Kwiatkowski, or you'd love to have Freeman and Trevathan. You know that that's that's a tough a tough spot to be in. I think that also puts a lot more pressure on guys like Eddie Goldman and Nakeem Hicks and and, and you know Mitch Unrein and Jonathan Bullard. They got to do their job up front as well and not let the running back get to the second level. Don't even don't even uh, force the linebackers to make plays. So again, the Bears are lucky in the fact that it isn't Cook that they have to face. Um, uh, Latavius Murray is is at nowhere near the same level, and uh, I think Jarek McKinnon just kind of got to watch him in the passing attack. I think that might be where he he could hurt the Bears, especially if he gets matched up on Timu somehow. So uh, pay attention to that. But you did mention the injury report; uh, not a whole lot going on uh, for the Bears. Uh, Kwiatkowski again doesn't look like he's going to play, but Grassu, Hicks, Willie Young, all limited. Um, we'll see. Probably going to the game questionable, all three of them. But uh, I, don't, I don't see any of those injuries being uh, major problems. Well, there is actually a development that's going on as we're recording this podcast. Right, Willie Young did not. Willie Young did not practice today, so that could be an issue. Hmm. Well, never mind what I just said about Willie Young. Uh, well, I mean, it's not like Willie Young is would be a potential. Well, I mean, he could be a difference maker. I think you know, really, it, it's time for Leonard Floyd to show up. I think everybody's ready. Would you say? Oh yeah, I mean, it, it was good to see him get a sack last week. But maybe we can talk just briefly talk about that. I was a little disappointed last week. Uh, you know, the 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 Packers they had the makeshift line of makeshift offensive lines and. Somehow the Bears really didn't do nearly, you know, get nearly as much pressure on Aaron Rodgers and do nearly as well as I thought they would. So, man, they, they've really got to – I think him and Akeem Hicks, I keep highlighting them every week, but I think these are the two guys that have really got to get it going. But especially if somebody like Willie Young is out, I think you're going to see two things. One is going to be the fact that uh, Pernell McPhee, who is looking better, I think. I think he's almost getting some of that burst back on a limited role. I think you're probably going to see him with a little bit more snaps this week. And – uh, Sam Ocho hasn't been playing too bad, but I guess that kind of brings up the point about um, you know Howard Jones, the guy that they just signed to the practice squad. Uh, we kind of talked about it before the podcast and didn't think it was worth mentioning, but now that Willie Young is is out, I almost kind of wonder if somebody like a Howard Jones, who's kind of a veteran, I think he's been around since 2014, or even a guy like Isaiah Irving uh, could get the call-up depending on how this goes. So that might be worth monitoring. I think we'll know 
what the final practice is tomorrow uh, on Saturday uh, for anybody who's you know listening or whatever, and then so we'll we'll get a decent idea by that point. But I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal. But Willie Young has what two or three sacks so far this year, and it seems like he's been coming on a little bit as of late. So I mean, that would definitely not be ideal. It would hurt the depth, that's for sure. And it, I, you mentioned McPhee would probably have to take on more snaps, and even though he's playing better, I don't necessarily think it's ever a good thing for McPhee to play too many snaps. So we'll see how the Bears handle that. But all right, last thing, game predictions. I'll let you start. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Bears win. I, I said I wasn't going to pick them while Mike Glennon was there, um, and he's gone. So I'll make this quick. Uh, I'm going to go 23-17. to 17. I think the Bears are going to win this, and I think this is going to be the start of uh, a very optimistic last, uh, I guess, three-quarters of the season. Yeah, you and I haven't done well so far in the predictions, but I'm right there with you. I think it's I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be 17-16 Bears. I think a, a field goal is probably going to win it either way, but I think at home the Bears get the advantage. So there you have it. Those are our predictions for Week 5. Uh, that's it, guys. That's our preview for this Week 5 matchup against the Minnesota Vikings. The you know They've played some tough teams, some of the best teams in the NFL so far, but with just the addition of Mitch Trubisky, primetime football against a divisional opponent. This is by far the most exciting game of the season so far. So Bears fans, I hope uh, it turns out in a victory for you guys. You guys deserve it, and uh, I hope Trubisky plays well. So that's it, guys. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at AaronLemmingNFL. Give me a follow at Bear Report. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast on iTunes, check out all our work at BearReport.com as well as the Bear Report Facebook page. And if you want to talk to us every day, come to the BearReport.com message boards. That's it, guys. We will catch you next Tuesday after the Monday Night Football game with our first Week 6 podcast. Hopefully we're talking about a Bears win. Have a great week.